Welcome to Balcony Cheerleader, the podcast dedicated to celebrating you. I'm your host, Miss Thunder, and you know what it is. It's that boom time, and I've got a delightful treat celebrating Miss Tiana Muldrow. She is a WNBA star and a collegiate star athlete. Tiana, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. How are you? I am doing good, and today's episode is This is the American success story, and Tiana is the epitome of what success looks like. So Tiana, tell everybody briefly just a little bit about yourself, who you are, and the humble beginnings you started from. Well, I'm just a young girl, you know, just uh, that just went out there one day, picked up a ball, chased her dreams. Uh, I was born and raised in New Jersey. Um, I was raised by uh, my mom. And um, I really started playing basketball because I um, just really just always went to the park, started playing, and I was always around boys. Um, right. You know, I, I had a coach who um, I would just go to him after school. It was like an okay. after school program. And okay. I was like the only girl. So eventually I just got tired of sitting on the side and just literally being the only girl. Right. So I said, hey, I'm just going to pick up a ball. And then I realized like, hey, I can shoot. See, when I did can- you know that basketball was your thing and that you were dominating, flexing up on the boys? Hey, I'm really good at this. I might try to make a run at this. Uh, I think I, I realized it very early. I, I know that for sure. Um, once I realized I can shoot, mm-hmm. I was kind of like, hey, I just want to get on the team at this point. And if my role is to just shoot, that's fine. I was like, okay with that because I knew I couldn't, you know, get down there and bang with the boys and I couldn't be as physical. So I just said, Hey, I'll just sit up on the three point line and I'll shoot when I'm open. And then, so, so that was my role on the team. And that was my only role on the team. Like, Hey, shoot when you're open. Don't try to do too much. (laughs) Just (laughs) So I said, okay, but after a while, I was like, hey, like, I'm working. I'm going to prove you guys wrong. Like, boys, you know, as kids, we, you know, we talk a little playground mess. And I'm right. like, hey, I'm going to show you guys up. Like, I'm not. <gasps> I love it. <laughs> so I worked at my game. Like, I really, really worked at my game. Just being physical, boys literally knocking me on the ground, mm-hmm. literally coming home with scrapes on my knees. My mom kind of like, hey, are you sure about this? Like, you know, no, no mom wants to see their child bruised up, crying right. all the time. So mm-hmm. she definitely questioned me about that. But I was like, this is my thing. Like, okay. Not, and and my my parents are tall, so I always had a little height advantage. So mm. I just was like, hey, I'm just gonna take this thing and run with it. And you ran with it. Now let me and ask you this: You are from um, Jersey, East Orange, Jersey, right? Yes. And so when you are surrounded with the, what is it, the, the teenage, the peer pressure and all the lures of, you know, teen pregnancy, because you're a very attractive young lady, by the way. And I know guys were hollering and trying to get those digits. And how did you avoid? So as we're into your high school years, what what did you say to yourself to say, I'm not going to be a teenage mom? 
I'm not going to get hooked up with skipping school, hanging out. Mm-hmm. When did that moment that aha, that epiphany click in your head where I'm going to be somebody? How did you avoid the pitfalls of what a lot of teenage uh, girls fall prey to? Well, first, I think that my mom just did a very good job um, as just instilling those things in me that, um, you know, you go to school and you do the right thing and you, you know, you make something of yourself. Not saying that, um, you know, young moms ha- like don't do that, but I think she right. didn't want that for me. So and I didn't want that for myself. I just think that knowing that I had something to prove, like with basketball and I wanted to be like this really good player. Um, I think that that was my motivation as well. And just obviously like where I'm from is just like, you know, kids sometimes get into the wrong things. There's parties around, there's drugs, there's boys, there's all these things. And you just have to, I feel like you just have to just know, like, you may not know what you want for yourself, but you know, you don't want this, you know, I know. I'm honestly, I'm, I was terrified of the law. I was terrified of getting in trouble in general with mm-hmm. not even as deep as police. I was just so disappointed. I was so scared to disappoint my mom. Mm-hmm. I never wanted anything to, to, you know, make her feel like I'm doing all I can. Why is my child messing up? So I, I didn't want to make her feel like that because she's, she did all she can. I never wanted or needed for anything. So I feel like my part as a kid was to go to school, you know, get good grades and just do what I was supposed to do. Mm. Um, and people around me, I'm not going to lie. They were, you know, getting pregnant and things like that. And I just knew that like, I don't want this for myself. Like I don't even have any money. <laughs> Let's just be honest. <laughs> I, I don't have any money to my name. Like I don't, I cannot, I can, I can't afford to take care of myself. Like my mom takes care of me. So I can't take care of someone else. Right. And I just didn't want that for myself. Like, at the, at the time when I didn't understand that, you know, kids are, you know, a blessing and things like that. I thought a kid will hold me back. And I'm like, if I have Absolutely. a kid, I can't do anything. Like all the things I see on TV, all the things, I can't be that girl because I have a kid at home. Mm-hmm. So that's how I, that's how I, I handled the pregnancy. And as far as like staying away from the streets and things like that, I, just didn't want to get in trouble. I didn't want to be in any kind of jail. It, to me, it was just more so like me. Like I, right. my mom, like I had a curfew. I was not outside all times and nights. Like it was just things like that that she put in place. That that even, parental it, involvement is so important, yes. isn't it? Yes, it's super important. And I wish that um, a lot of kids had it because sometimes kids are, you know, feel like they don't have anyone, so they look for in other places. And yes. I just, I wish that they had that. I really do. What advice do you have to young people out there right now who um, come from, whether they're the suburbs, um, whether they're um, in the rural desolate areas of town, what advice do you have to them when they are feeling like their parents are either not involved, plugged in, neglect, abused, deprived, mm-hmm. whatever we want to speak to them and say to them, what advice would you have to give to them if they're experiencing that and they don't see no way out? Because sometimes people don't see their way out of yes. today. What advice do you have to them? The only advice I can give, honestly, um, I would say get into a sport. Get yourself into a mm. sport. I know it's hard, but sports, teach you, they teach you things that you 
can learn in life, but it's going to be way down the road. Like sports has taught me things that like things like discipline, 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 things like working hard, how to talk to people, how to communicate with people, how to work with people, how to, you know, really work for something that you want, how to be, stay committed to something, committed Mm -hmm. to something that, you know, you may not be a NBA player at the end, but Hey, I'll at least be like this high school superstar, like make small goals and just get yourself into a sport. That is my um, advice for them. And I know sometimes it's hard, but um, Hey, I feel like we got the same 24 hours. You may not have the same support, but we have the same 24 hours. You can go to, you know, your, your, your local high school and say, Hey coach, like, can I join the freshman team? Can I join this team? Can I be a, a water boy, a manager, something that's going to keep mm. you committed to something? And even if it's not sports, hey, let me join this book club. Let me join this something. You need to join a community of people that are working towards a goal of something, not just mm. saying, hey, I don't have a support system at home. I feel neglected. Find that support in something positive, not in the streets with a gang or things like that, because it's, it never it never ends well. Mm, love it. Good stuff. What advice do you have for parents, whether they're single, whether they're grandparents, whether they're siblings raising? What advice do you have for people who are raising teenagers to help them avoid their kids getting into trouble or teaching them or talking to them directly on how to avoid the pitfalls of what you just said? Speak to these parents or whoever is raising these kids. I just think that... um you just gotta, I feel like first you have to show, you have to show them love. I think you have to show them love and you have to constantly remind them that, Hey, I'm in your corner and that someone cares and wants to see you do well. My mom did a, a great, great job at that. I never felt alone. Even if I didn't have friends in school, because I know it may sound crazy, but I did go through a point in school where I was getting picked on and things like that, just like every other kid. And my how did mom, you deal with that? How did you deal with that bullying? Because it's not easy to get through because people will look at you and be like, OK, you're this tall, stellar athlete. You can ha- hold your own. You got bullied. That's yeah, impossible. I, I know. It, you know, it was it was more so in middle school. It wasn't really high school. I know. I know. And people cannot believe when I say that. But yeah, people people bully me. Um, People tried to peer pressure me. And, you know, it's just. It's because I was like the tall girl. That was like okay. the thing. I was like the tall girl that stuck out like a sore thumb. And mm-hmm. at the time, no one's playing basketball. So I'm like this tomboy now. And it was just, it was, it was like insane. But not as far as like, you know, the physical part of bullying, just more so just the always words, taunting. The taunting. And, you know, and words hurt. Words hurt when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. so yeah I'm crying to my mom sometimes or I'm just crying in my room but I'm like hey and basketball was my outlet I'm like hey a basketball mm-hmm. can't talk mess about me like for kids now they might talk mess about me but hey this book and this book club can't talk mess about me this mm-hmm. football this soccer ball can't talk mess about me I'm gonna commit to this and I know even as a kid you see people on TV that are NBA stars NFL stars you may not know how to get there but you're like hey even if I start picking up this football this basketball maybe I can get there maybe mm-hmm. all you need is that glimpse of hope that what do they call that mustard seed of fit that mustard seed of faith that's all there you need is. to join something do it like Forget, I know it's hard to do it as a kid, but you really have to forget those people. And these parents have to remind these kids that 
hey, I'm in your corner. Like, do something. Push, like, push them. Mm, show just, up. Be yes, there. show up for your kid. Show up for your kid. That's the biggest thing. Get plugged in because parents seem to think, well, I'm providing this and I'm giving them that or, and I always say, you know, and what is your thoughts on this as a parent? Cause I'm a mother of two girls. And I always say this monkey see monkey do. Mm-hmm. If I say to my daughters, don't do these things. Don't conduct yourself. You don't have to be promiscuous. Do this and do that. But then they see me act promiscuous and they say me and my behavior be reckless. Then I what influence am I going to have over them? Could your mom have had an impact on you if she was always running the streets, Tiana? Absolutely not. Exactly. Exactly. So parents, if you're listening, I beg you to hear what she said. You've got to show up. You don't have to show up even with money, but you being at those games, you showing up at the teacher conferences, you being plugged in every aspect of your kid's life. What do you do to that child? You validate them. You indirectly and directly validate them. I was just about to say that, you know, the, the richest people are, you know, the most depressed. That's just, that's just the honesty of it. The richest people, they have all the cars, the money, like a kid, you can have clothes, a place to eat, a place to sleep, but does my, do you feel validated by your parent? Yes. My mom, my mom was that, that is, that is your job to clothe, feed, bathe your children. That is your job. Now, what makes you a parent is validating your kid, showing up for your kid, you know, caring about their grades, being at that teacher conference. When they have little games, if the game is boring, you have to be there for three hours. Support your kid. Your kid is never going to forget that. Like Mm. I said earlier, one thing people never forget is how you make them feel. People don't forget those things. My mom never missed a game when I was growing up. Never. And I'm not saying, I know things come up in life where you probably can't make every game, but if you, if the good outweighs the bad, your kid is going to remember that. Mm, Positive words from somebody so young. So as you graduate, you are the top, not only the top of your school, you are one of the top athletes in New Jersey and all over this country. Cause I was reading up on your stats. Why did you choose to play ball at West Virginia? Um, they just made me feel like I, they just, they accepted me from day one. They accepted the person I was, they, they had a vision for me and they didn't sell me a dream when I went to a visit. And I, I never, people don't know this, but I never went to visit another school. I, no, I didn't, I didn't need to, I did not need to. When I went to visit West Virginia, that was it for me. I knew offered that this is where I'm supposed to be. Right. Because they, they, I had that feeling. I, I went home and I thought about it and I was like, I don't need to continue to talk to any of the coaches or like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm. I belong here. I, fe- I felt like I belong. I could see myself playing there. It was like, it was maybe five hours driving from home. So right. it, was, I, it wasn't up the street, but it wasn't like way across the country. It was my mom couldn't, uh, you know, get to my games. Right. So it, it was just, it was perfect. It was perfect for me. Mm. Now, when you first went in your freshman year, you decided to redshirt yourself. Why? Um, I had a co- I had a talk with my coach, and when I came into West Virginia, we were like top ten in the country at the time. Yes. And he told me that you know I can I can play. 
I can like, you know, use this year of eligibility, but I won't play much simply because I wasn't needed. Like, that's just the honesty of it. And it was, and at first it was hard for me to accept because, you know, you come from the being the top prospect and being mm. all over. So, you know, you got to humble yourself a little bit and realize that, hey, this is a new level. Every level in life requires something different from you. And you have to start from the ground up and prove yourself at this level. High school is over now. You can't, mm. you know, keep bringing that into why well, I was a top player in high school. Well, everyone was. That's why they all have scholarships. So you have to prove yourself at this level. And we talked about it and I felt like, hey, okay, I was thinking long-term. Maybe this is the best decision for me. Now that year was tough. It was tough mm. mentally. It was tough physically. And I just, I leaned on my parents. I leaned on my parents. I called my mom at least twice a day, like just mm. telling her how hard it is. And she, she, what was so hard? Break it down. What was so hard? Was it the grades? Was it the demanding? Because people don't know, Tiana, those yeah. two a days. They don't know that, okay, if coach says to be in the weight room at 6 a.m., that really means you got to get up by 4 a.m. because you got to yeah. eat your breakfast so that you can have fuel, be fuel efficient to be in the weight room to bang. Then you have to watch film. Then you have to get on the basketball yep. court. But in the meantime, you still got school. You still got grades. You still need to eat, eat. No social life here for a minute and adjust to all that. So walk people through so they don't think that you just woke up as this all-star and that it's just so easy. Walk no, them through was, your typical day. That was a day. process. Um, at, well, my freshman year when I sat out, it was just tough mentally and physically. Like, I wish I could like make this up. I literally remember walking home from my first day of lifting in college. I was walking home. I didn't have a car. I was walking back to the dorm and I was falling asleep walking. Like, just picture that for a second. What? I was nodding off, falling asleep. I will go home and I will sleep from 6 p.m. all the way to 6 a.m. My mom will be blowing my phone up, could not get in contact with me because I was so tired. All I wanted to do was sleep. Like it was a different level of, um, that they were demanding from me physically that I was not used to. So, and that weighs on you mentally. Cause you're just like, if this is college basketball, I don't want to play. Cause you only see it on the TV, like going to right. the tournament and everyone's getting all this gear and everything. But that, that is like the, the bits of it. The real grind, the real grit of it is when no one sees. So I had to find time to eat. Like finding time to eat is a real thing. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you. Do I, go, do I eat or do I take a <gasps> nap so I won't be that tired for practice later on? Like, it's like a real thing. Then you have to study. And it's just like, it's just so hard. Like you're in study hall for hours and I don't have a car, so I have to take the train everywhere on campus. And uh, it was just, it was, it was such an adjustment. And then I'm working out so hard. I'm lifting extra because I'm not playing. I'm lifting extra. I'm running extra. And I'm doing the same practice as everyone else just for game time to come. And you can't even suit up. Mm. And that alone is another mental struggle. Because then you feel like, you know, it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel when you're in that moment. Like it's hard. It's like, you feel like, why am I doing all this? And I'm not even playing, but it paid off so much. I, I had a year, I had a year ahead of everybody. Like next year when I was eligible to play, mm -hmm. I was already faster, stronger. It was, I was those things my coach said I would be, but I couldn't see at that time. And I was, when I was able to play, I was a year ahead of everybody. 
Mm. When you say you had to lift and what, what did a typical workout look like? Because people don't understand the grind in the weight room. They really don't understand the grind. Well, first you come in, it's, it's so tough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At first Mm -hmm. you come in and you weigh yourself. Um, they will, you know, keep track of our weight. Um, because you know you, you have to put on muscle. That's to, to be able to compete at that level, you have to put on muscle. Come and on. so I, I will, and that was super hard for me as uh, a freshman or even in high school. Like I didn't know how to put. On, I didn't know the what went behind putting on muscle. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I, I just didn't understand it. So we will wait. Taylor would take our weight, and then we would just we would do like full body lift, leg squats. Uh, mm-hmm. arm press pull-ups push-ups and I used to struggle like I really used to struggle and I'm I just didn't think it would get any easier but mm. over time it did because you know your body adjusts but um you do like leg squats push-ups you do um arm press you flip tires like mm-hmm. sled pushes all these things all these things and then at the end you stretch and you just it's maybe like an hour session and you just after that you going about your day that can either be home or that can be now you have a tutor right right and people don't understand was there ever a time like when you were in the thrust of like okay where do I go I don't know did you ever call your mom and be like you know what I don't know if I can do this I need to come home absolutely absolutely but my mom was, um, you can ask, you can even ask Coach Nichols and uh, I don't know if you know my head coach, but Mike Carey, mm-hmm. um, there, there, there wasn't, there wasn't a thing for coming home. My mom said, no, you're not going <laughs> and you're not going to transfer. That's not an option. Like when she option. told you that, what did you say when she would say that? And you're like, no, but you don't, I know you were like, but you don't understand. <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> Crying, crying <laughs> on the phone, like hyperventilating, like mom. Yeah. Just- <laughs> that blubber cry, like <laughs> when she's yeah. telling you, no, you gonna keep your behind at West Virginia. What were you thinking in your mind? You know, were you like, you're not hearing me? <laughs> you're not. That's that's exactly what I thought. You're not hearing me, and I'm like, wow, like this lady doesn't have my back like you know you <laughs> co-sign with you and it's just like you really don't have my back you're gonna just leave me out here to struggle but she was she always told me like you're gonna thank me later for this like you are you're, you're gonna thank me later for not just bailing you out or not just you know mm-hmm. I, but I couldn't see it I could not see it all I felt was that I'm sore every single day and I want out <laughs> <laughs> and I'm laughing and I'm not laughing at Tiana, but I do know what it's like. And when I'm training athletes, the first thing I say to them, because I miss thunder, I'm very intense. I said, you must get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes. And yep. if you are not comfortable with being uncomfortable, you are going to be sore. There is no two ways to the middle. You're going to be sore. You're going to doubt yourself. Some days you come in and you feel like Spider-Man, Superman. And then other days you just simply feel defeated and have nothing to fight with, but you have to press on. Now, what was it like for you? Cause you were a guard and then in college, your coaches asked you to switch from guard 
to forward. Yeah. Did you look at them like when Coach Nichols and uh, your head coach, when they came at you and asked you to do that, did you look at them in, in first, the first 10 seconds like, really? <laughs> because oh, those are two different positions. A little bit. I didn't, I didn't uh, feel too like badly about it because in high school, I did everything besides the point guard. Like if I got the rebound, I would just, you know, right. do my own thing because right. I was allowed to. So uh, maybe a little bit. I think I doubted myself because I just knew that these girls are like tough. Like I'm not that tough right now. Right. um, So maybe a little bit, but my coaches always instilled in me that like, hey, like just that belief, like you can do it. Like you really can do it. And I knew that I can shoot really well. So for people Mm -hmm. who don't like really know basketball, for the bigger girls who can't, you know, really move that well or things like that, I was a mismatch for them. And I knew that mm-hmm. that was my advantage that, I, hey, I can't guard you sometimes, you know, but hey, you got to guard me too. And I know you don't want to run and chase me off of screens to stop me from shooting. So I just kind of looked at that and I was like, hey, this is, this is going to be a 50-50 battle. It's just, I got to get more stops than you than you can get me. Mm. So that was, that was, that's how that went. But no, I wasn't scared. And um, I just kind of fell into that position. And my coaches at the time didn't have anyone else to ask because I, I moved because of injury. People, okay. A forward got injured and there was no one else that can fill that, that spot but me. And mm. so I became like the, um, the quote unquote X factor. Like my coaches always said I was like the X factor of the team because mm. you can put me anywhere. I was like a hybrid. You can put me anywhere. Anytime anything went wrong and you needed someone to fill that spot. Hey, let's, we can move Tiana there. Like she can do it. And sometimes mm. it was exhausting. I'm not going to lie, but it was also a compliment that they thought that I could do everything. Mm. And at the same time, cause I've had a chance to talk to one of your coaches, uh, your former coach, coach Chester Nichols. And one of the things, let me pull up the quote that he said about you. And it, it just, he said, I cannot speak her praise enough. He said, you talk about a young lady that is gracious. He said, she is one of the most, and I'm quoting, these is his quotes, selfless individuals that I have ever met. He said, she is the most selfless person off the court and on the court. And he said, what is so amazing about her is that when you come to her and ask her, she will not only try to keep herself motivated, but she would hold the teammates up, hold the coaches up while keeping and staying on the honor roll and volunteering her time when she, there's only, like you said, in the early part of the show, you said there's only 24 hours in the day, but yet in those 24 hours, you manage to sleep, eat, be selfless, get good grades, volunteer, and still keep a smile on your face. And that's why today, Tiana, we're celebrating you. Thank you. Because I don't know of too many people, and let's just remove your athletic, um, physical um, ability set aside to be humble and to be gracious and to most importantly, have empathy. That's a talent within itself. Would you agree? I agree. Mm. I I just learned early on that it wasn't, you know, the world doesn't revolve around you and it's, it's bigger than you. Everything you do, for the most part, it's bigger than you. I, I learned that. Than you. 
but oh, everything you do is bigger than you because you do have a greater purpose. And I agree with you um, in totality. As we take this quick little break here, I want to say, listen, for those of you who are listening to this American success story, if you like what you're hearing, I'm going to ask you to please subscribe and download to the show. And if you would like to be a guest on Balcony Cheerleader or share your story of inspiration or hear us show topic maybe all you need to do is go to missthunder.net as we continue this conversation with tiana tiana what impact did coach nichols have on you it was he had a big impact on me he is i can't say enough good things about him he is so positive mm. if like when no one believed in me he believed in me a hundred percent he always pulled me into his office and told me hey you're you're going to be something special. I know you can't see it, but you're going to be something special. He reminded me to always be good to people. Be mm. yourself, but always be good to people. Always mm. work hard. You know, get in the gym those extra hours that no one's looking because it's going to pay off. People the people don't forget things like that. They don't I forget know. things like that. And learn, like, always be that good captain. Be that one that people feel like they can't talk to. Be that open book for people and share your story. You're going to reap the benefits of it without even knowing. Mm. Without even without without even knowing, people always look for you know what am I going to get out, out of this? What am I going to get out of this? He was not he's not that kind of person at all, and he reminded me to not be that person. You're going to reap the benefits of it. Don't worry, but do the work that no one else wants to do. Be that good person. Be that outlet for people. Mm. He's amazing. He, I cannot say enough good things about him either. He is amazing. He's like I made sure that I was going to keep in contact with him even after college, because people, you don't come across too many people like that. You really don't. And he reminded me that once I leave here or once you leave here, we're still going to have a relationship. We are. Don't think that this is just like a while a West Virginia thing. Like, no, we are like a for life thing. Like we are like tight, like we're good. Wow. And I really appreciate that. Mm. Now, do you remember this special day? I'm going to take, we're going back down memory lane. because it almost brought me to just I was just we were just looking at this video clip do you remember this day on March 17th 2017 after your game you met one of your biggest fans a four-year-old named Annabelle yes do you remember little miss Annabelle I do how can I forget her she's cute as a button she's waiting for you she drew these pictures for you and she told her dad like she knew all this stuff and I was just looking at the pictures that she drew for you what did that do for you that this baby has on her little West Virginia collegiate gear and she drew these pictures just for you of all the other basketball players not to minimize people before or on the court but it was something about Tiana Muldrow that captivated this little girl that how feeling, did that feel that feeling still to this day is unmatched I'm going to describe it as unmatched because you just don't think that like someone is paying attention that hard you really don't and you realize that, like, once again, it's bigger than me. I, I impact kids around me. I make younger, younger kids want to, you know, maybe play basketball one day. One day. Maybe just, just make them feel good. Like, just remind them, like, hey, 
this is a us thing. Like this basketball is for me, but hey, me and you, we both feel good. Like I'm glad you like look up to me because I want to inspire you. Like now, but kids like that and situations like that, they don't even understand that like now you're more inspired. Mm. They, don't, they, don't, they don't see that part. And that made me want to keep going because I want to I want to impact a lot of people like that. And I was just simply just doing something that I love. Like I wasn't thinking of, you know, the benefits of it. It's just, hey, I'm out here playing basketball, doing something that I love. I'm trying to win this game. And you showed up to this game with this Tiana doll, with these pictures. With yes. This- it was so, it was, that like was like the highlight of my career to this day. And what's funny is I still talk to Annabelle. I did a phone call with Annabelle maybe a couple months ago with her dad. Oh my gosh. I still, yes. I, yes. I've talked to Annabelle since then. Oh man, it's never, just amazing. I will never forget her. I will never forget her. Oh my God. It just, you got to understand when grown men was looking at this video, they were like, what? And you know, they men are not gagu goo goo, but they were like, but the, this is the thing, the last 10 seconds of the video, when you took the doll and when you took the um the 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 drawings that she had she kept jumping up and down and it was as if Santa delivered her favorite toy that baby jumped up and down and you said can I give you a hug and when you gave her the hug she almost jumped out of her little shoes (laughs) (laughs) and it was just so cute and she had a tooth missing so it was so adorable so cute. I cannot believe that someone looked up to me that much. That was amazing. I've never felt like that before. I've never felt like that before. That had to be like, how this baby sees something so special in me. Yes. That had to be like that. Aha, uh-huh, like, dang, my purpose is greater than me. And I had this much positive impact yes. on this precious baby. Yes. My goodness. That's exactly how I felt. That's it's like that feeling is like it's hard to put into words, but you nailed it. It it really mm-hmm. was like I could I could be that much of an influence and an inspiration to someone that I've never met. Mm-hmm. Also mm-hmm. reminded that like you never know who's watching. You never know. Yes. Yes. Speak. And they're following you. And then the thing is, they tie their hope into you and you don't yeah. even realize it. Yeah. They tie their hope. So after you graduate from um, West Virginia, you get drafted. Walk us down the drafting day and your professional basketball career. Draft day was so exciting, but it was so nerve wracking. Um, <laughs> I was projected to go second round. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like waiting for that moment. I knew I wasn't going to go first round. Um, so I was just waiting for my turn, waiting for my name. So second round came, Well, we had a, we had a, a watch party at my school, like on, it was like this big monitor we had in the facility. So we plugged it up to there and first round went by and I was like, okay, now I need to like really pay attention and like try to keep my nerves intact because I was freaking out. Right. And the second round, the second round went by the whole round. And I was like, okay, that's weird. So now I'm like nervous because we have like this big party here and like everyone's expecting me to get drafted, myself included. So I'm like, okay, just keep it together. And then um, 
half of the third round goes through and my name still isn't called. So I'm like, okay, this is like, this would be just my luck that like, I just, you know, would do all these things. And I just didn't get that last thing that I wanted for my college career. Okay. So I'm sitting there and my teammate goes, your name is at the bottom of the screen. And mark my words, I turned around and I said, I don't have time for games like this right now. Please don't like <laughs> play with right. my <laughs> And she's like, no, look, she points. <laughs> and it says my name. And I just like, I didn't even scream. I just gasped in belief, disbelief. Like this, like that really just happened because it's not every, every play doesn't get drafted. I think out of the whole NCAA, I think like 0.8, something, the two, no, 2%, 2% goes on to play professional, like at that level in the WNBA. Right. So I'm like, so many things are like rushing through my head now. Like mm. I'm part of that 2%. Like I did it. I did it. This is a dream I had since I was a little girl. I, I did it. This, like these five years all tied into this moment. Like I did it. I did mm. it. So I mm. got the call, I got the call and I talked to, um, I was jacked to Seattle Storm and I talked to uh, the coach, Dan Hughes on the phone and he was really excited to have me. And I had to, I had a couple of days to get home and then I had to fly way across to Seattle, which right. is like a five hour flight from New Jersey. So I was like, you know what? Okay. It's time to start my life in Seattle, like way across the country, but I'm ready. Like, this is what I've been wanting since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to hit the ground running. I'm just going to give it all I got. So once I got to Seattle, I went through training camp for two weeks um, and I ended up making the team. Mm-hmm. So that was another thing. I was like, I really like I'm doing this thing. Like I'm like I'm in the the, the, the middle of it and I'm doing it. Like I'm doing everything that I said I was going to do. Mm, and were you like, I did it, I did it, hey. Oh, yeah. I, I, had a, I had a roommate, I had a roommate my enduring training camp. But girl, every time she was not looking, I was celebrating. I, I, had a, I had a good practice today. This is one step closer to me making this team. Like, I'm not worried about nothing else. And at the time, I was in grad school. I was oh, in grad wow. school. So I was doing, uh, I had to do a, I, but I, my focus was so just like, oh my God, like I'm here. I can't even believe that like my team. Yeah. Like my teammates now are people that I've been watching forever. Like Sue Bird. Like I, Mm. I was in college with Brianna Stewart. Like now she's my teammate. Like it was just crazy. So I had a 13 page paper to do. And I had to do that in the middle of training camp. And I was like, I have to still be like this student athlete even though I'm not, I'm not professional but I have to finish this out so I did that and I made the team and I was like hey I'm I'm gonna stick I'm really gonna stick this basketball thing out now like I've came this far I'm gonna ride I'm gonna ride it out mm. and so when you you're at Seattle how long were you at playing for Seattle I was with Seattle for maybe uh maybe a little over a month. And then one of my teammates got hurt and they needed to bring another uh, post player in like mm-hmm. a, a taller one or a veteran. And so me being the rookie, I kind of, you know, that didn't work out for me, but it was okay. okay. And I went home. Well, I went back to school for, cause I still had an apartment there. I went back to school for maybe a week 
Okay. And then I got a call from the Dallas Wings and I went to play for Dallas. Um, mm. And that, that was just, um, the agreement for that wasn't to be very long, but I was like, hey, it's an opportunity. I'm not turning down the opportunity. I'm going to go. So I went. And then when that was up, I came back um, to school. And I just worked with the girls that were there. Coach Carey kind of put me on the staff a little bit. So mm-hmm. I worked there. And I just, I was still with, like, with my family. Like At that point, like West Virginia was my family. So I felt very comfortable. Mm-hmm. I got my own place. And I was just working there. Like I would help out anything he needed. And I would help, you know the kids and I would still train myself because I knew I wanted to go play professional overseas. Okay. Okay. Now so, you're overseas right now, correct? Yes. I'm in Israel. Okay. So what is that like? Okay. So you played for Dallas, you play for Seattle, you get the call to play overseas where you like, Oh my goodness. Now I'm leaving the United States. I'm in grad <laughs> school. I don't know where, okay. Where was your first stop when you went overseas? Well, I I played in Israel first. Okay. So you played in Israel. What was that like? Um, I was so nervous. I just didn't know what to expect. I was like, I know they don't speak English. How am I going to, it was just like, how am I going to survive there? Like, what, what am I going to eat? What am I going to, like, I Mm -hmm. I just didn't, I just didn't know. But um, Israel ended up being really Americanized. Like, it's, I mean, they speak Hebrew here. They speak a little bit of English. They speak mm-hmm. really good English actually, but um, their first language is Hebrew and um, it's beautiful. The country is beautiful. Um, I can't say enough good things about it, honestly. I think I was just worried because, you know, it was something different, stepping outside of right. my comfort zone, but I, I got very comfortable very quick um, because it kind of reminded me of home. I didn't feel like I was in a foreign country. Really? Now, what's the name of the team that you're playing for right now? Um, Elitzor Tel Aviv. Mm. So how long have you been playing there? I've been playing here for uh, about two weeks. Earlier in the year, I was in France. I played in France. Ooh, come on, Tel Aviv. Did you meet your Jean-Luc while you were over in France? Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. The team I was on in France was very far from everything, but I did go to Paris. Okay. um, Paris is nice. I'm just going to say Paris is nice from the people to the city. I'm just going to say Paris is nice. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever like, okay, because you know, when you, when we were kids, we watched those movies about Paris because they say Paris is the city of love. That's where there's, you know, in Italy, there's a lot of romance. Did you see that? Or was it just like, okay, I'm here to play ball. I'll see what I can see. And I'm going to keep it moving. Paris is definitely the city of romance. When I Ooh. went, everyone's holding hands. Everyone's taking pictures <laughs> from the Eiffel Tower, kissing their partner from the Eiffel Tower. It is definitely the city of romance. Like the vibe is just like the nice rest. Every restaurant, you can take someone on a date there. Like, wow. I really don't know how to explain it. It's just a different mm-hmm. feeling. There is very like calming. It's very beautiful. Very like old fashioned in a way. Everyone right. has, has on their best outfit. Like it's like, it's definitely a fashion show there. Real, oh, well, you know, that's where oh, yeah. all of the models, the runway and when they're springboarding new lines is out of um, Paris. Now, do you, what do you miss most about the United States besides, you know, missing your family? Have they had an opportunity to come over and visit you yet? 
No, they haven't. My mom is terrified to, to fly. She's, mm-hmm. she's terrified, but it's okay because once again, I'm just like, I'll, I tell her all the time, if you never come to another game, it's okay. You've, you've been to enough. You've been to all of them in my career. You've, you haven't missed one. So the good, the good definitely outweighs the bad, like I said before. So it's fine. I don't, mm-hmm. I honestly don't mind. Mm-hmm. What do you miss the most about living in the United States? Um, what I miss the most about the States, um, currently I'm missing my car (laughs) (laughs) because I'm, I'm paying a car, no in a car I'm not driving. So that's a little like, it's a little annoying sometimes, but um, I just miss like, uh, my family, of course, that's like, I goes without saying, but I miss things like being able to like travel to like, um, to see like my other friends, like, mm-hmm. like my one, like my best friends live in Atlanta now and they mm-hmm. live, the other one lives in DC. So I spend a lot of time with them during the summer and we like travel mm-hmm. and we go have fun and we travel other places, like maybe like Miami or just, I miss right. like just not having, just being free with my friends. That's like my free time. That's what I miss. Mm. Do you ever get burnout with playing basketball and wonder, okay, I want to switch and I want to try another career. Do you, cause I know your bachelor's degree is in criminology yes. and you thought about pursuing being, you know, going into correctional or being a police officer. Do you ever like get burnt out with basketball and say, you know what, now's this time. I think I need to transition. It's funny you ask. I'm in that stage right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's hard. It's scary to make transitions, isn't it? It's so scary, but I'm, I'm more ready than, than ever. I'm more ready now than ever. And being over here, you have a lot of downtime. You have a lot of time to yourself. So I journal a lot and I just think a lot about what's next for me. And I'm, I'm, I've been talking to coach Nichols about it a lot. He knows that I'm at that place. Um, it's just hard because it's, it's something I've been doing since I was a kid. So I say like, this will be the hardest breakup I've ever been through. (laughs) It's like uh, a divorce I hear. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. It's, it's so hard. It's so hard to think about life without physically playing basketball. So, um, but I'm, I'm ready for it. I I feel like um, I've, I've conquered this. I feel like I've mastered this. I've done this at every level. So I'm ready to challenge myself again and to Mm -hmm. do something to conquer something else. I don't want to be, one dimensional and put in a box that like, Oh, like I just play basketball. Like, no, I want them to say like, Hey, Tiana's that girl who played basketball for a long time, killed it. And now she's this, now she's this, like yeah. other boxes. So I'm ready to move on from basketball. Honestly, mm. I'm ready. I'm just like, need to figure out exactly what I want to do. And I'm kind of waiting for like the right opportunity to present itself Cause the right. moment I feel like it's the right thing, I'm packing it up and I'm moving on with my life. And I felt, I went through a phase of feeling guilty about it. And yeah, um, yeah I've talked to my mom a lot about it. I always felt like, how can I just be so quick to leave? Cause I, it's only my fourth year professional. And I know friends who play like people play until they literally physically can't play anymore. Right. And I'm like, how dare you just like want to leave the game so early? Like you don't have, your body's fine you're super healthy and Mm -hmm. like really nothing's wrong but my mom was just like you can't 
like it's okay like you've done it for years like don't feel guilty about moving on and trying something new like and this is the time Mm -hmm. to do it you kind of don't want to do it when you're like 40 basically and it's amazing that you say that because I've had other athletes like I had Brian Witherspoon um he played uh football and he in the Super Bowl for the New York Giants and when football was over for him he had that injury and you know but he was still in great shape he said the hardest thing was okay his whole life was tracking football and so once he settled and got in his quiet space he's like oh I think I'm gonna try this and he said it wasn't what he thought. He was a PE teacher. And then I just had a conversation. I don't know if you um, know or have ever heard of Jacqueline Johnson. She's a former WNBA player, but she and I were talking on the podcast and she was saying, Thunder, one of the hardest transitions for me from playing ball, because she's playing for Israel. She played for them for what, six years. She said, where was I going? What was that? She said she knew she was ready to go. But once basketball was over, she said it felt like a divorce. (laughs) She said it felt like I was divorcing and I was letting myself down and other people because we had invested. So and she said my family, myself, I invested so much time into this. Just like you said, how dare I leave it? But she said if I would have stayed. And this was the one thing that Jacqueline that resonated in my mind. She said, but if I would have stayed any time longer, she said, I would have loved myself forever. Yeah. And when it's time for you to go, she said, the worst thing you could possibly do is stay in something too long because you will lose too much of yourself. Yeah. Mm. I agree. I agree. I agree. And I, I, I'm kind of at the point that like, I feel like if I keep playing, um eventually I'm going to be doing the game a disservice and that's not fair to the game itself because it's done so much for me it's caused me to you know go places I I would never go meet people that I probably would never meet um the experiences Mm -hmm. I've gained from it so I feel like you know what I think I want to end my relationship with playing basketball on a good note I want I want to do it at the right time I don't want to be you know, like push out of it. I want to, I want to know a mutual note, like, Hey, I, I, I thank you for all this you've done for me, but I think it's, you know, it's time to move on and, and, and challenge myself. So I'm mm-hmm. definitely waiting for the perfect opportunity and whatever it is to present itself because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to challenge. I'm ready to take it on and challenge myself. I really mm-hmm. am. So the next chapter for you is, you know, away from basketball. What about relationships and maybe being a mom one day? Is that on your uh, roster too? Of course. I, I, I actually talked to my friends today about um, just the same thing we just said like about me, you know, ending soon and they like could not believe it they're like you're so young and yes because like, like, you're still know, a baby <laughs> I know but I'm like I want to be a mommy one day like I really want to be a mom one day and I I, I want to I always wanted to do a big move to a different city so mm-hmm. I, I want to do that I want to it sounds weird but I kind of want to be normal like I know that like my life is not the normal path like I want to have my own apartment. I want to, you know, come home. I want to, I'm craving right now. I'm craving stability in my life. And I feel like I don't really have that. I'm craving the, the normal life. Like I want to see what that's like, and people who are not in my shoes want my life. And I'm like, no, sometimes I want your life. Like 
I want to try it out. And if I don't, you know, if it's not for me, then I still have time to come back because I am so young, but I definitely want to get my foot out there and try something new. Like I, I owe that to myself. You do to plant your seed. And like you said, you will know when it's time for you to close the door. And it doesn't mean that you're, you're minimizing or you're walking away from basketball. It just means you have turned the page and there's another chapter to read, you know, and and I have to tell athletes when I'm working with them and life coaching them, they go through that, that, that transition. And I, I, I get a book for them, Tiana, and I'll say, read chapter one. And then I said, then read chapter one again. And they'll be like, what? And I'll say, keep reading chapter one again. And they'll say, what are you talking about thunder? It's the same thing when you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. You can't keep reading the same chapter and expect to progress. You have to turn that page and go to the next chapter in your life. And the thing I say to you, don't be afraid. And to anybody out there listening, don't be afraid to turn the chapter in your life. Go to your destiny without fear. Because if you think about this, Tiana, if you live by the coffin theory, and that is when it's your time to go, you're going by yourself. We just don't know when we're going. But if you focus on the best part of you and bringing out the best on you, hey, you already have proven to yourself that you have the strength and the dexterity to endure anything. Yeah. Yeah. Keep believing and having that faith. Well, girl, it has just been such a delight. I feel like I've known you forever talking with you. It's like, okay, I'm sitting down with my cousin at the family reunion and we're chopping it <laughs> up. You are every bit as gracious as those have described you now tiana how can people get a hold of you because you know people um, don't want to hit you up on your social media I mean, following your wants- progress no you can uh well for as far as like following my basketball progress you can always like look on eurobasket.com and just search my name and um i think i'm like the only tiana mojo you know, so <laughs> click my name and follow my progress there. If anyone ever wants to just get in contact with me about anything, I mean, anything, if it's just, just to say hi, if it's about, if it's for advice, anything, um, you can email me. Uh, my email is Tiana, my full name, uh, dot M, the first letter of my last name, the number 11 at gmail.com. Or you can follow my social media handles. I, I really don't mind. Um, my Instagram is my also my first name. Um, it's Tiana Cherie, so my first name. And then S as in Sandy, H as in house, A as in apple, R as in rain, and I as in Indiana. So Tiana Cherie, and you can follow me there. Um, or you can just search my name on Twitter. It's my full name and my page will pop up. So it, I'm always, I'm very reachable. My pages are public. I'm very reachable. I'm very open about who I am, open book. Um, So yeah, anybody wants to get in contact with me, I'm open. I'm always here. I'm always here. Mm, mm. Again, I have had the pleasure of speaking to Tiana Muldrow, ladies and gentlemen, one of the most gracious. If I had a tiara right now, I think I would put it on her head and people will probably ask me, well, what would be her title? Miss Gentility. 
because you oh, are every you. bit is humble and gracious and sweet. Tiana, I want to thank you for being a guest on my show. Do you think you will, you know, once you get back to the United States, you know, I'm going to hit you up and ask you to do a follow-up because you're forever and, and you're in my heart now. So I got to follow you myself. <laughs> thank you, Miss Thunder. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having me. Thank Absolutely. You, you got to come back on the show and let people know what's the second phase and what that next chapter looks like. Cause you know, people are going to email me and be like, how is she doing? What is she up to? <laughs> so, you know, people are going to ask me, you think you'll come back and be a guest on my show? Tiana? Of course. Like you're in my heart too. So like I said, oh. you know, you want to get in contact with me. Hey girl, come back on the show. Like I'm here. Like drop up a dime. I'm here. Oh my God. I see. I love it. And you already know when you come to Orlando, we hitting the mouths. We're going to chill. We're going to chop it up. We're going to have a good time hanging out with Minnie, Mickey, Daffy, all, all of them. <laughs> but I'm ready. I, girl, come on. You people say that, but come on now. Come on now. Come hang ready. with me, Thunder. Hey. You know, they say there's nobody that a cheer for you. And there's no cheer like a Miss Thunder cheer. And there's a reason why they say that. So come on. <laughs> I'm ready. You just let me know. I'm ready. Oh, just come back to the United States and you back in Florida. I'll even come down to Miami and scoop and get you. So you ain't said nothing but a word because like that's only three right and a half hours away from me too. We'll chill on South Beach, come back to Orlando and just like really live it up. So you just yes, let me I'm know. Ready for hey, Tiana, <laughs> again, I want to thank you for being a part of the show. And I also want to thank our military veterans, active or retired, our EMT, our firefighters, our teachers, our beloved frontline COVID staff. We thank you guys for all the overtime. Listen, a lot of people don't reach back to tell you guys thank you, but I'm saying thank you. And of course, I want to also send a shout out to our law enforcement officers. You guys are the everyday heroes and today and every day that I breathe, I salute you. I also want to humbly thank the listeners for tuning in to Balcony Cheerleader. Oh my gosh, the love that I continue to receive, it just propels me to keep going. Remember the goal for Balcony Cheerleader is always each one, teach one. Hopefully today, Tiana and I got to reach one. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show and download to this episode. I would love to hear from you. You guys can reach me, your girl, at MissThunder.net. And Tiana, I want to thank you again. You totally made my day. Be safe over there, girl. Thank you. And goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Tiana. Goodbye. Goodbye.